The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Today, expert knowledge is so highly valued that we learn to lead first as the expert whose mastery of the details helps teams solve problems. Eventually, as your leadership role expands, expert leaders find themselves in a role where others know more. Details are no longer so accessible, and decisions are made without a full understanding. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. It's time to find out how to make the transformation smooth and flawless. Now, here is Dr. Wanda Wallace. Welcome to the show. This is Wanda Wallace with Out of the Comfort Zone. With me today is Carrie Pereno. Carrie is Senior Vice President for Market Human Resources at American Express. Carrie's had a fabulous career at American Express, going from corporate communications to talent management to vice president for human resources to chief diversity officer, and is now responsible for an organization of 300 people supporting 50,000 employees in 30 countries. That's quite an accomplishment. Carrie, welcome to the show. Why, thank you, Wanda. Glad to be with you. So the thing that I want to talk to you about today is the first part is your career progression, kind of what has happened along the way that has really helped you achieve some of the goals that you've achieved. And in particular, you know, I know a lot of your work for when you were heading um, diversity for American Express, and I know that you and your team have had a significant impact on the company along the way. So tell us about one of those roles that you took that truly took you out of your comfort zone, and how did you manage it? It's a great question, Wanda, and it makes me think back over the career and the times when I was doing things that felt real comfortable and then had to jump into space that maybe was not. And I suppose if I think hard about this, the role I would probably choose is that of Chief Diversity Officer. It's a role I had a chance to play for nearly three years for the organization, and when I stepped into that position, there were clearly things that I knew how to do. So, for example, I was a human resources professional already, so that part was familiar. I knew how to do talent management and succession planning. I knew how to do things like employee engagement, but I hadn't really focused on our diverse talent sets and what diversity meant to American Express overall. So it was not a job that was on my master plan, so to speak. It was not a job I had been gunning for or planning for or doing what, you know, homework or prep work you might do in terms of getting ready for that next role of secession. But it was certainly a role I found myself in, you know, kind of quite excited actually to to take it on. But there was more I didn't know than what I did know. So first off, I have to ask the question of, if it wasn't on your master plan, how did it come to you in the first place? Yeah. <laughs> so um, like many things, there's, there will be a theme of relationship you'll hear me talk about. But at American Express, we definitely believe in the concept of sponsorship at work. And so in this particular case, that role certainly 
God um, came to me or I landed in that role because my sponsor at that time picked up the phone and called me and said, uh, our chief diversity officer is no longer here at American Express. We're going to post this job and look for the next person to take this on. I want you to toss your hat into the ring. And I remember vividly getting that phone call and thinking, boy, she knows me. I know she knows me really well, but is this the right role for me uh, to be moving into next? So it was her advocacy for me in that position that certainly steered me to look at it seriously and to officially toss my hat into the ring, interview, and successfully get that role. And it was very much her belief in me and what she already knew I could do and what she believed I could certainly do going forward that gave me the confidence to jump in with both feet and do that job. Fabulous. Um, as I work with people throughout the world, I off, they often ask the question, are careers always planned? Mm-hmm. And I find that as I talk to senior executives, there's one part planning. You know, you kind of have some ideas where you want to go and an awful lot of availability and sponsorship and advocacy. Mm-hmm. Things pop up mm-hmm. you never planned, and it's a matter of leaping on, on them at the moment. Okay, so go back to... You've now tossed your head in the ring for the chief diversity officer. You're excited mm-hmm. about it. You've landed in the position. It's great. There's a lot you know, and all of a sudden there's a lot of things you didn't know. Like what? That's right. So there was a lot of content area specific in the diversity space that I didn't know. So it was really like going back to school for me. And there will be jobs in people's careers where that will be the case. You're going to have to do some of the homework and some of the prep work that will make you a better you in that particular role. And for me in this one, I did a lot of reading. I did a lot of talking with folks, really setting up meetings, both internal and external, to get a sense for what was diversity looking like these days at other companies. What were uh, top or leading companies paying attention to in this area? And quite candidly, how is American Express doing in comparison? Where did we have some strengths already in the space, and where did we need to make some more headway or maybe forge some new territory? So it was a bit of learning and going back to school. All right, and so how much did you rely on other people on your team reporting to you to carry their weight in areas of expertise versus having to learn it all yourself? Absolutely a lot, and I would, I would give this advice. I do give this advice in coaching today to other aspiring leaders, people moving into new roles or trying their hand in the space that they haven't played before. Moving from being sort of the subject matter expert, the person who knows everything in that space, into the leader of a group of people who know everything in that space is definitely a, one of those leaps from a career standpoint that you need to get comfortable with. And so I absolutely leaned on my team. And I had a few subject matter experts who were really good at what they did in this space when I took over uh, leading our diversity work at American Express. And I leaned on them. I leaned on them to educate me. And I didn't come in pretending I knew something I didn't. I made sure that I highlighted what was my value proposition and what could I bring to this relationship, this leader-team member relationship, and where were they going to get something from me? And where was I going to need to take? Where was there going to be to give? And what could they bring to the conversation? And clearly that was around expertise in a lot of the subject areas. But collaboration was also an underpinning here because this idea of listening to what was important to them, what they were already working on, you know, sort of what was in flight, in progress that I needed to understand and quickly, and making sure that they understood that I was investing in them so that we could collectively move this work forward in a more meaningful way using both my assets that I brought to the table as well as theirs. 
Teamwork is another way that um, I, I got myself comfortable in this space and made sure that the team understood that I believed that our success was going to be collective. We're going to be working together on this. And for me, accepting very clearly that my success was not going to be measured on how much I, quote, unquote, knew about the subject area here or what initiative I started or drove myself, my success in this role was going to be measured on how well this team was able to mobilize, how well we were able to shine light on the areas of expertise that each of us brought to the table, and how we could move something forward. And in our case, with the diversity work, the something we were moving forward was not simple. I mean, it's not basic talent management at all. It's about understanding the diversity of the landscape, the talent in our pipeline, and how we could continue to invest in them and grow. It's interesting. I know so many cases where individual leaders have said to their teams, my success is not about achieving this goal. I am measured on something far greater than just a single component. And you had a bit of that with the team. It's not just about Mm -hmm. me and my specific goal. It's about the entire package, which is bigger than I can do. All right. So this notion of leading people who are experts, who have something to bring to the table and finding your own area of expertise. So let me play, or so your own area of contribution, not expertise. Let mm-hmm. me play devil's mm-hmm. advocate for a moment. I'm on your team. I know an awful lot about what it means to lead diversity, what everybody is doing. Let's say in the U.S., for example, you're in a mm-hmm. global role. What are you going to do for me? Yeah. So how would you answer I'll that ask- question? What would you do for somebody? Yeah, well, it's interesting, Wanda. I actually had a team member at that time who was the resident expert, particularly in the United States. You know, if we were in a card game over this, she'd win all day long because she knew that work. But what I did bring was my American Express knowledge and background, having worked for the company for many years at that point, my understanding of our um, organization globally, so how we operate as markets outside of the United States and where those synergies might actually move us further along. I'm one of those believers that the sum really is... Um, the whole is really greater than the sum of its parts. And this is a great example of that. And so we were able together, literally putting our heads together, our ideas together, and the content that she brought and the content that I brought to be able to move this forward. And I have to say, um, to her credit, and hopefully to mine as well, that we were able to see that pretty quickly, how we could manage the assets that we both had in this particular um, role and what we were being asked to do and to make it move forward. Fabulous. Um, So were there other things that you had to learn? So there was a lot of content that you had to learn. Anything else that you had to learn? Yeah, I would say um, from a dynamics in the organization, I had to understand how influential this work could be, not just for the team and diversity, not just for human resources, but for the business overall. The work that we were doing in diversity was really about building a pipeline of talent who could lead the organization, who could bring the best ideas to the table to make sure that we were, in fact, attracting, developing, and retaining the best talent at American Express. We had initiatives around moving women further in the organization, moving our minority talent further in the organization. And so the knock-on effects of that work were in every department. They were in every country, quite candidly. And they were not just talent-related, but they were also external or consumer-related and how American Express could translate its products and its services to our customers around the world. So it was a big learning curve for me, uh, way beyond 
some of the core talent management work that I had done, certainly the, the succession planning, et cetera. Uh, but it certainly, I can tell you hands down, it was one of the best jobs I ever had. That's great. That's great. Um, I get this sense that you go from knowing a bit of how to do your world to suddenly a whole new playing field. It's a global Mm -hmm. context. It's hitting lots and lots of dynamics. You've got team who knows a lot more about some components than you do. And that's the classic get out of the comfort zone. Just before we take a real quick break, um, do, what mistakes do you see people making when they push themselves out of the comfort zone and try to lead outside the area of expertise? Any common themes? I think the most common theme that I see, Wanda, is people being overly focused on their deliverable with intent to show that they can sort of get it done, that they've done it, or that they want to be ready for the next move. Forgetting to enjoy the ride, I guess, is the way I would say it. It's uncomfortable, and by nature, that discomfort is making us feel like we want to hurry up and get to comfortable. I totally get that. We all want that. But do take the time to enjoy the ride, to be paying attention to what's going on around you, and to be, you know, sort of, I guess, basking in those learnings as it happens. Be present in that. Don't rush through it, because this this stuff all happens on a cycle, Uh, so look for ways to really harness that learning experience and be okay with the discomfort for as long as it needs to last and then, you know, keep moving. I love that notion of harness the discomfort. That's a fabulous metaphor in my mind. Okay, we're going to take a break. I'm talking with Carrie Perena from American Express. We've been talking about Carrie's experience in taking a job that took her out of her comfort zone from her base of knowledge to a much broader base. Now, in the making of that transition, one of the issues is suddenly it is not just about you and your world. It's global. It involves consumers. It involves everybody in the organization. So when we return, I want to talk about how do you hold your own at the table when lots of other people want to wait on what should and shouldn't happen. We'll be right back. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. If you want more information on the coaching and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. If you are interested in finding out more, you can also purchase a copy of the forthcoming book or any of Dr. Wallace's current books by clicking on the links under the resources tab on our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're also sure to find some handy links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. 
Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. This is Wanda Wallace with Out of the Comfort Zone, and with me today is Carrie Perena from American Express. Carrie has been talking with me about getting herself into a uncomfortable place in her career, I should say uncomfortable intentionally, in that she's learning things she didn't have to do before, working with people she hadn't had to work with before. So one of the issues around moving out of your comfort zone, Carrie, is that you find out that you have to hold your own at the table. I've heard you say this on many occasions, and that the higher you go in the organization, sometimes the harder it is to hold your own. First off, what do you mean by holding your own at the table? So the way I would describe it is it's about voicing your point of view. It starts with having a point of view, but then being able to and comfortable with voicing that point of view. Um, So having a point of view when you're in in a new territory, in an uncomfortable role that is likely new to you, that's hard, right? You've got to figure that out. And, and, And I often recommend people to to you know, do their homework, do their research, make sure they understand what it is they're talking about. But once they have a point of view that's emerging, you've got to be able to voice it. Not everything needs to be fully cooked, fully baked, however you want to look at it, but you have to feel like you've got a point of view and whatever it is that you're going to be holding your own with at that particular table, and then you've got to put it out there and be comfortable backing it up with the, with the facts uh, and, and the surrounding circumstances that you think it warrants. Okay, now I hear lots of people come back to me on exactly this point, women and some men, um, who will say, I have such a hard time breaking into the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, people keep talking, they keep running, and this is particularly true for people who are outside of their native language. How do you advise people to break into a conversation? I give advice a lot. You know, I'm in this human resources role, a global one. I oversee people in many different markets. And so you've got to respect the customs, the cultures, and uh, the diversity that's at the table, so to speak. But absolutely, you've got to be able to voice that opinion. You've got to be able to weigh in and speak. And so I often coach people that if you're in one of those group conversations, if you're at a table, find something that you feel strongly about in that dialogue uh, and, 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 and jump. You know, take that leap, if you will, and add that, your, your view into the dialogue. 
Deference, I get from a cultural standpoint, totally understand it. Waiting your turn, I get as well. But find your culturally relevant way to add your um, viewpoint to the dialogue. Let people know what you're thinking. I often coach senior leaders in particular or aspiring senior leaders that if you're at that table and you've been thinking of something and you didn't weigh in or you didn't share that point of view, it's not only your loss, but it's our loss. And then conversely, if I may, just say on the other side of that coin, I do also coach the leaders at the table and I give the advice that says if you've got someone you brought to that table and you're not hearing from them, because one reason or another they haven't figured out how to break into that conversation, yes, they have to own that, but you do too. So ask them. Say so-and-so, we haven't heard from you. Do you have a point of view on this one? Or I know I happen to know that you have you know, content to add on this because we were talking about it the other day. Remind me of what that was. Okay. I often hear, um, particularly outside of the U.S. market or the Western market, so let's say Asian market, for example, where uh, Asian counterparts will say, it's very hard to break in. It's late at night. Mm -hmm. It's um, going really fast. I'm tired, all those sorts of things. And I hear leaders in the Asian market say, if you have a point of view on a topic that's being discussed, even on a teleconference call, call the leader of that meeting and let them know in advance that you have a point of view. So at least they're on notice to come and to call on you. It's a very interesting one. And I agree, we have to teach our leaders how to do that more effectively. Okay, now, why does this all matter? Why does it matter that we share our point of view? I think it matters because it's our role as leaders in the organization. I don't care what seat you're sitting at at that table. You've been hired to basically have a plan, have a vision or a roadmap. In essence, that's your point of view, right? Because you've probably put a lot of you into that. You've certainly collected your facts. You've done your homework. You've collaborated with whomever you've needed to to get to there. But it's your role to be able to um, voice that opinion at the table, to make sure those ideas are heard, to ensure people understand what that vision is or what that plan is or where that roadmap is meant to be taking folks. So I think it's important for that reason, I guess, first and foremost. And when I am talking to people about how they go about doing that or why they would want to go about you know, sharing that information at the table, I, I, I talk about two different points in particular. I would say... One is it's often helpful in moving both your point of view and what the organization needs to do going forward to emphasize teamwork. The idea that we are in this together, I'm not belittling that we each have our own sort of areas that we're responsible for and we have to hold ourselves accountable for delivering against it, but nobody does anything alone. We're making it happen collectively, and if we're clear about that, and we're expecting collaboration, I find that we often hear people speaking up more at the table. We will more readily hear people expressing their points of view if that's the under, you know, underlying premise. And the second is around investing, in, invest, investing time, energy, and effort in relationship building, in building those relationships with the people around the table that make it easy for folks to have the conversation that they need to in that moment, make it easy for someone to have a conflicting point of view and to bring it up with confidence and candor live in the dialogue and not waiting till the hallway conversation later. So this idea of investing in the people, making sure that you understand who the talent are in that conversation, that you set that tone of collaboration, as I mentioned, and these things help us to socialize our ideas, make it easier for people to talk to one another and to establish an environment of trust, which... I suppose when it all comes down to it, 
people get better at voicing their point of view, sharing their opinion, showing their plan or roadmap if they're operating in an environment of trust. Interesting. Um, one of my favorite researchers on, or writers, I should say, on teamwork starts with the notion that if we don't have conflict sitting around the table, then what the heck do we need all of these people sitting here for? And that the only way you have constructive conflict is when there's trust in the room. Because if I have some level of trust in the people around the room, it's a whole lot easier for me to say I disagree. It's when there's a distrust that we start hedging, second-guessing. So it's interesting that you come right back to that word of trust and environment of trust that we're all going to get better. Okay, so go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just reinforcing. I totally agree with the message. All right, so now talk to me for a minute about how you deal with a conflicting point of view. And you can do this by way of example if you have one. But here you are, you're a known entity, you have a different point of view, someone around the table has just said the opposite of your point of view, and now there's a bit of tension in the room. How do you deal with that? Yeah. So my answer is obviously going to be personal to me, Carrie, uh, and it'll be um, set in the context of the brand or reputation I have for myself and I've built for myself. And I am a known collaborator, not surprising as I've sort of talked about that a couple of times in our time together already. And I think it's important to establish that environment of teamwork. So that means I am, in most cases, I am operating in the environment of trust that you were just referencing, Wanda. And so my, the way I handle those conflicting points of view or, you know, the disagreement is head on. My, uh, my preference, my style is to say right out with respect. I, you know, I, I, you'll never catch me yelling at a conference table or banging my fists on the table, but I will very directly say, you know what, I disagree and here's why and be very clear on what that is. And because I have set that context of trust, I have shown and demonstrated that I'm in this for our greater good, so collaborative, that I believe in teamwork, I find that very often well-received. You know, they may not like that I disagree. They may not like my point of view in that moment, but I'm still going to lean on i got to go directly with that message because I haven't lived up to my obligation at that table if I haven't told you directly what it is that I disagree about. So it's about living, I like that phrasing, it's about living up to your obligation at the table. Interesting one. We often talk about it the reverse, what's the obligation of everybody else, but we forget what's our obligation in being, having been invited in the first place. Um, you know, being direct with people uh, even in a pleasant, appropriate, collaborative trust environment, sometimes you get back a very negative, you know, someone isn't always operating from that same good space and they're pretty upset. So they respond to you emotionally. Any tactics for dealing with it in that moment? You can't control how other people behave. A lesson learned too many times over. But uh, you, you will encounter that, and diffusing it the best that you can is, uh, I would say, the right approach. And so oftentimes, you know, like in a live example, I'll say, clearly I upset you. That was not my intent, right? I was trying to share a point of view with you in this scenario. But if you feel like we need to talk about it more, we can, and maybe we can take it offline and get into a deeper conversation about it. But calling it out, again, with the same direct approach and the same collaborative I'm certainly not going to meet their 
anger with anger. That's not going to get us anywhere. I'm just going to try to diffuse the situation and make sure that I understand what it is that they're uncomfortable about or what it is that they feel so strongly about that we probably need to talk a bit more about. Okay. It's interesting. I did a show with uh, Craig Rundy a few weeks ago on conflict, and Craig is one of my favorite writers and researchers around how we deal with conflict. Um, Craig would say that two of the hallmark things that you need to do in the midst of a conflict is to get somebody else's perspective, meaning why were you mm-hmm. thinking what you're doing and so forth. And you just said, I take that offline, better outside mm-hmm. the room than in the middle of the room. And two is the ability to express emotions, which you just identified this notion that clearly I upset you is just acknowledging the emotion and then moving to a good place beyond that. Now, Carrie, the $64,000 question, do you think this holding your own at the table is any different for men or for women? So I think the what is the same, Wanda. We all have to hold our own, and what we have to do is the same. But I do think that the how can often look different. And it comes down to personal style. So I could say it's different for different women. It may be different for you and for me. But it, the how and how a woman might approach it is likely to be different than how a man might approach it. And there are times when I would be encouraging females in my organization here at American Express to be okay with handling that expression or voicing their point of view, holding their own in a way that would look more like their male counterparts, you know, do, do the what in a how that looks more like their male counterparts, if that's authentic to them. And so I suppose the bottom line of this is it will look different for people in general, depending on what is natural and authentic to who they are and how they've established themselves in that particular context, because trying to quote-unquote act in a particular way because you think that's what's required of you at the table will be really visible to everyone else around and you will come across as not authentic, which then just undermines your overall credibility and whatever point you were trying to make or whatever it was you were trying to hold your own on will likely be lost. Very interesting. So it's not that you shy away from saying what you need to say but it's that you're very conscious of your brand, your reputation, the level of trust, collaboration that you've established already, and then responding in those moments appropriate to your own brand. Yes, well said. Okay, and then there's no one way. Now, last question on this one, then we're going to take a break, Carrie. I presume sometimes you have to back down. Is that true? (laughs) Don't we all? (laughs) Yes. Uh, And getting there is a similar process, right? If you've expressed your point of view, if you've said, here's why I really feel strongly about this, this, and this, as it relates to the topic we're discussing, but I hear you, I hear all of you that we've just had this conversation, and clearly mine is not the prevailing viewpoint. And so I'm going to respect that we're making a collective decision here as a senior team or as a project team, whatever the case may be, and I'm going to acknowledge why we're going in that particular direction. As long as I feel like I've been heard and I've had the forum to voice my opinion, just like I would give the same respect to anyone else around the table, then backing down doesn't feel so much like the phrase sounds. It doesn't feel like I've given up or walked away from my point of view if I've had that chance to express it. 
So it's about making the point of view in a respectful way, knowing that people have heard, and then acknowledging the circumstances. I'm in the minority here, so okay, so be it. Let's take it from there. Fabulous, Carrie. I don't think we can give a better tour through how do you hold your own at the table in one small segment than than that. Um, I'm talking with Carrie Pereno from American Express. We've been talking about the ways in which you deal with holding your own at the table, getting your voice heard at the table, managing the tension that sometimes comes out of representing your voice, and knowing when it is that you need to back down and how do you do that in a way consistent with you and your brand. When we come back, I want to talk about relationships and the impact of relationships on that ultimate word called performance. So we'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. If you want more information on the coaching and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. If you are interested in finding out more, you can also purchase a copy of the forthcoming book or any of Dr. Wallace's current books by clicking on the links under the resources tab on our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're also sure to find some handy links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. I'm Wanda Wallace, and with me today is Carrie Pereno from American Express. We have talking, been talking with Carrie about the times that she took herself out of the comfort zone, the lessons learned along the way, how you find those opportunities, work through those opportunities. And then we were just talking about holding your own at the table. Contention, disagreement, conflict, and sometimes having to back down. How do you do that in a way that's respectful, yet you still feel like you got your voice heard? And Carrie, I think my favorite phrase from that last segment is you have an obligation to get your voice at the table. That's fabulous. All right, I want to turn for a minute and talk about relationships, okay? We all say relationships are important, teamwork is important, 
And at the same time, we put this enormous effort on individual performance. So I have my individual goals and I, in many companies, meet them or don't meet them. And then I am individually rewarded for that performance. How do you reconcile the two? Or do you? So, yeah, I think you do. Uh, at American Express, results are as important as relationship. In fact, we actually measure performance on both sides of that, and we look at sort of the what you've done and the how you've done it as we look through your overall effectiveness in, in whatever role that you're doing, from frontline all the way up to senior, most leadership. And so I do think there is a balancing act in that, Wanda. I think people need to understand the personal accountability associated with driving results, delivering on expectations, their contribution to um, the team objective, whatever that might be. At the same time, I think I've said this already at least once, nobody gets anything done on their own, right? And those of us who believe that, you know, we're doing these Herculean efforts unto ourselves are kidding ourselves. There's a collective that, that sort of moves things forward. And so in the absence of relationships, in my opinion, you really cannot get much done, not much that's important anyway. There are clearly little individual pieces that roll up to whatever it is collectively we're working on, but the relationships, the collaboration, the connection points among the people getting that stuff done, in my view, ends up being more important. And I would emphasize that as people rise higher in an organization, and I mean they take on more senior roles where they're, um, they have responsibility for larger remits, maybe larger geographies, I would say the equation almost tips a bit where relationship becomes even more important perhaps than result because their individual result is less what we're talking about. It's more about how are they bringing these large teams of people together to move something forward and oftentimes underpinning that capability or ability is the relationships that they've invested in and formed up to this point. All right, so one quick follow-on to that one. Um, we were talking last week with Bruce Riekel about how to measure the stuff that really matters, not just the financial performance delivery. Do you have advice on how companies can measure the how you do things in a credible way? We look at behavioral examples, literally um, leadership behaviors is how we go at it. And we define for our company what those leadership behaviors are in terms of the you know, gold standard, what's expected. And then we look at how people are delivering against those behavioral expectations as they are getting their work done. So if we think that um, collaboration is important, and clearly we do, you've heard me talk about it a few times, then we look at not just that they've achieved the result, the goal, the sales increase, whatever it might be, but how did they collaborate with others to get to there? And how did the work that they were doing affect other groups? What are the knock-on effects of that? And what behaviors were actually demonstrated by the individual whose performance we're assessing to achieve that goal? And so that can have, you know, a, a positive amplifier on their ability to get stuff done, or it could be a negative. And, you know, sometimes we do see that. We see scores or ratings assessed where they might have really high on the goal side or the what side and potentially low on the L or the leadership side, as we would call it. Okay. 
All right. So the ability then to measure some of the softer how pieces allows you to feel more meritocratic in the ways in which you assess both the what and the how. Okay. So that makes sense to me. Now let's turn to one of the more thorny problems. In in an organization that values relationships, as I know American Express does, as do many of my clients for that matter, um, some of the personalities that you end up dealing with in the course of your career are just not the easiest. They may be easy for somebody else, but they're not for me. I must spend three quarters of my life advising people on how to deal with various personalities. What's your advice? What have you had to deal with? How would you go about doing it? What can you tell us? Yeah. So it happens certainly that you'll run across people that, you know, you just don't click with or maybe you just don't even like or you don't respect how they operate or their behaviors. Uh, and, and, and like I said earlier, you can't be in control of what everyone does, but you can be in control of what you do. And so my approach for this is very simply to diffuse the situation. So I had an encounter earlier in my career where I knew I was going to meet a particular individual who had broad reach and was at a senior level. But I had heard, you know, sort of the folklore of what it was like when you went into her office and what you felt like when you left her office. Uh, and it wasn't very motivational. Let's, let's put it that way. And so I thought, geez, you know, I'm going to need to be having these interactions with some regularity. How can I approach this differently in hopes of getting a better outcome? So I went in with that mindset saying, look, I know what I'm going in. I know what I'm likely to be receiving, but let's see if I can affect some change here so that I can get a better outcome because in the end, it was about me trying to achieve what I needed to, so the what, but also how I was going to go about doing that if you're following me on our last example. So people were afraid of this person. They felt that um, she was mean in how she handled conversations, giving feedback, difficult to deal with, etc. And like, I'm not mean. It's just not my approach. It's not my brand. And I wasn't quite sure how I was going to confront this. But I chose to diffuse the situation by asking for advice. So I went in to my early conversations with this individual, letting her know that there were things that she clearly knew that I didn't. And I was looking for her advice and guidance on how she had done it as she moved through her career, on some of the ways that she dealt with the other um, sort of constituents who I was going to need to deal with in my new role, and how we could work together best, what worked best for her. And I found that asking for advice and guidance in this case absolutely diffused the situation. Now, I didn't always get smiles every time we had conversations, but it certainly made what would have and could have been very difficult interactions much better. And each time we met, she was very forthcoming with guidance and advice from me, a lot of which I was able to take and use, some of which didn't work or suit me. And so I said, thank you and moved on. But she was never once, I can tell you never once, was she mean to me. And in the end, she actually served as a mentor to me. Okay. So that is being clear about what you wanted from the relationship putting Mm -hmm. her in a stronger role to support you. So if this is a person who's going to give advice and feedback, I might as well start with using them in their comfort zone, which is giving advice and feedback. So fine, I'm going to ask you for it. Made it easy for her to give it to me. Okay. And it worked. Great. Fabulous. And so is that the advice you give to people in general about working with difficult personalities? The person is the the way they are, and then to focus on how you're going to get what you need from that relationship. Is that what you do normally? I 
I think so, Wanda. I would say it. You, you're, you're not going to change everyone. Don't even try to change everyone. And some people believe people don't really change. You know, there may be step changes here and there, but not anything great. And so know what you're walking into. Do your homework. Make sure you're prepared because, you know, your best defense in this case is preparedness. And if you know what to expect, then you can put yourself a bit more in the driver's seat of how you handle what you assume will likely be a difficult interaction. You're not going to be able to change them, but you can decide how you react in that situation, how you enter the conversation, how you engage while you're there, and what you leave with. Great advice. And sometimes easier said than done. It takes an awful lot of work to get yourself around to a place where you say, I'm going to take control of the situation and I'm walking into it a little bit of afraid. But I like your notion that you're prepared, that you know what you expect and you know what you want, um, that you decide, you make a conscious choice on how you're going to react in the moment and at the time and to the individual not just in that conversation, but in the ongoing conversations, and that you know what you want to leave with um, so that you're getting what you hope for out of the relationship, even if it wasn't the easiest exchange at times. All right, Carrie, thank you very much. That's been fabulous. We're going to take a break at this moment, and when we come back, I want to talk to Carrie about her experiences of men and women and diversity in the organization and what we can do to move this agenda forward for everyone's benefit. So we'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you want more information on the coaching and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. If you are interested in finding out more, you can also purchase a copy of the forthcoming book or any of Dr. Wallace's current books by clicking on the links under the resources tab on our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're also sure to find some handy links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1 866 472 5790. Again, that's 1 866 472 5790. 
You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. I'm Wanda Wallace, and with me today is Carrie Perena from American Express. We've been talking with Carrie about the journey in her career and advice for everybody in the managing their careers, from taking a role which puts you completely out of your comfort zone, to holding your own at the table, to building relationships, particularly with people who are not the easiest to work with for you. So, Carrie, I want to come back now to your experience in American Express and with other companies. I know you've been deeply involved in the diversity topic. So what do you think? Are there really differences in what it takes for men and women to succeed in organizations? I think I have to say yes, or we'd see a better balance of men and women leading companies around the world. So if we start there, then I would say, but then what can we do? And what The answer that comes to my mind first and foremost is this idea of sponsorship and how we can harness the power of sponsorship at work to help women advance. At the same time, honestly, sponsorship is as effective a career management tool for men as it is for women. But my main message to women all the time when I'm doing coaching conversations is that we need to be much more intentional about seeking out sponsorship, about earning sponsorship. According to most of the research, it would show that men do this more naturally and they are more likely to earn sponsorship at work. So I'm not saying it's not important for men. Actually, it is. But it's even more important for women to be intentional about earning sponsorship at work in order to advance their careers. All right. So what do you mean by being intentional? Like, Give me an example of what an intentional earning would look like. So women fall into that trap often, more often than their male counterparts of, you know, the proverbial putting your head down and doing great work. And what I say all the time is good work that no one sees is just good work. So this idea of being able to promote yourself, to raise your brand profile, to make sure you're paying attention to your brand and reputation at work and that you're paying attention to the relationships that you're building so that people will see the work that you are doing. And so when women are, you know, lifting their head up and paying attention to this landscape, they're more likely to be then more intentional about earning sponsorship. And whether they're thinking, gee, I'm doing this because I want to earn sponsorship or not, I really could care less. It's more about how are you demonstrating your ability to drive results? How are you showing off your collaborative skills? How are you flexing your leadership muscle? How are you being an A player in the workplace so that people can see, or the leader whom you may be looking to earn sponsorship from, can see the value that you are adding? Because when you do those things right, then it's very easy for a more senior leader in the organization to be ready and willing to invest in you and invest in you in a way that opens doors, creates opportunities, maybe tosses your hat into the ring for a next role that you weren't even thinking about and advocates for you. You need those people at work and women need to be paying attention to whether or not they have them. And if they don't think they have them, then they should be paying attention to some of the things we're just talking about now to try to earn that sponsorship. All right. So a lot of people, men and women for that matter, will, as you said at the beginning, sit and do really, really good work. And they assume that that work is noticed and seen by others around them and that the notion that I have to go around and tell people about what I'm doing and how I'm doing it feels 
wrong, for lack uh-huh. of a better word. So how do you advise those people to pick their head up and be more thoughtful on how they're being noticed? I go back to this magical formula of results plus relationship. And if you just deliver results, that's only half the equation. And so how you're paying attention to those relationships, which is about you know, people who know you, people who like you, are willing to have conversations with you, want you working on that project with them, recall your name, talk positively about you because of the experiences, the positive work experience that they have had with you. Those things are important. They're not extra. They're all part of the, you know, the meritocracy and the whole equation. It's not enough just to do good work. You need to be investing in these relationships. And you've heard me say a few times this idea of personal brand. You've got to bolster your personal brand, and you are sort of the PR agency, if you will, for your personal brand. You need to be able to talk about what you're doing in a culturally relevant way, and I mean culturally based on what country you're operating in, but also what company you are operating in. I'm not talking about boasting or bragging. I'm talking about positively speaking about the work that you've accomplished and your contribution to that work so that people can um, see it or look more closely if they take interest in what it is that you're talking about. So it's recognizing that I do have a personal brand and reputation that is built both on the results that I accomplish as well as the relationships I have with people. It's that willingness to represent my brand in the same way any good company would represent their brand in the marketplace um, by what you speak, by what you say, by how you show up at every single moment in time. To do that in a culturally relevant way and in a way that is constructive and positive. Is that a good summary? Absolutely. It's a great summary. Fabulous. Do you think it's any different for other minorities within the organization? Do you think sponsorship is a key for them as well? I do think it is, actually. Um, Women and minorities tend to be sponsored less in large multinational organizations than men do. And it's sort of a natural phenomenon that occurs in the workplace, but one that we can change the face of if we're more intentional about it. I do think that minorities in the workplace face similar challenges, but some of what they encounter may be different. For example, for a a woman of color, she may have not just the fact that she is a woman in that context, but also the fact that she's she's a minority in that context may create some additional hurdles for her. We don't pretend to imagine what exactly they would be in that scenario, but sponsorship is a way to equalize that. And we've seen it time and again that uh, a man or a woman who has sponsorship feels more confident, for example, to raise their hand for a stretch assignment, feels like someone has their back, feels like their work is being noticed and that they're um, satisfied with their opportunities, their rate of advancement, things along those lines. So I, I lean a lot on sponsorship in this conversation because I do think, Wanda, that it can be an equalizer in the workplace for women and minorities who are sponsored. Fabulous. Carrie, quite a broad set of advice from today. I think if I look back over the entire conversation, there are a couple highlights for me. Um, one is this notion that when you are out of the comfort zone, don't rush to the place of being comfortable. Kind of enjoy the ride a bit and experience the lessons along the way. As hard as that is to do, 
don't rush to get out of the comfort zone. I think that's a fabulous expression. And the second thing I really enjoy from the show is talking about this notion of holding your own at the table, that it's with respect, that it's appropriate to your own style and to your own brand, but not to be afraid to put your voice at the table when it's a well-considered, thought-out opinion. And that, yes, conflict is part of that somewhere along the way. So I really, really enjoy that. And then the last component, just to reemphasize in this segment, is this notion of sponsorship. To be intentional about the relationships that you're building and the ways in which you are speaking and advocating for your own brand. Carrie, it's a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye for now. So long for now. Thanks for joining us. Tune in next week as well. We'll be talking again about conflict. Thank you again for joining us for Out of the Comfort Zone. Tune in again for another edition with Dr. Wanda Wallace next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Take charge this week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.